You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. I've titled the message today, Jacob in the Mirror. Have you ever had that moment when you've been in the mirror? Oh, I have. And it is not pretty. Have you ever had that when you stood in the mirror and you realized, oh, what have I done? Who am I? Uh, Jacob is going to have that encounter. Uh, Those times... God will sometimes orchestrate to grow us, to build us. So with that rambling introduction, let's jump into the Bible. Uh, uh, Genesis 29, let's pray together. Lord, your word is amazing. What a beautiful story. And yet more than a love story, more than an epic adventure, it is divinely inspired to reveal us to us and to reveal your pursuing love and sovereign grace to us. Lord, give us eyes to see this morning the wondrous things that are written in your law, that we might know you, that we might walk with you, and that we might not sin against you, surrendering our life to you, for you are worthy of all praise. And when we walk in your ways, there is fullness of joy. May it be so, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Genesis 29 Verse 1, so Jacob went on his journey, went on his journey, this 500-mile journey. He was 45 miles into the journey. God appeared to him, gave him the stairway, Jacob's ladder, right? That was where we left off. Now he's 45 miles into this journey. So Jacob went on the rest of his journey, and he came to the land of the people in the east. That is Haran. That is He finished the 500-mile journey, or in other words, this verse we read just took about 40 to 50 to 60 days for him to finally get there. Think about how difficult it would be to navigate 500 miles without an iPhone, without GPS. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I cannot get out my own driveway without a GPS anymore. I forgot how to get out my driveway, right? Uh, I used to know how to go places. I don't anymore. It's just like... Tell me where to go. <laughs> and uh, something dangerous about that, but I, I digress. Uh, back to the story. Um, so he makes it. He gets there. Verse 2. And he looked, and he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. That's lying by the well. Three flocks of sheep. Not one flock. Three flocks of sheep. What do we learn so far? There's some wealth there. There's some wealth there. The modern day equivalent, there were all kinds of Teslas in the parking lot, right? Uh, Modern day equivalent. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all of the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, And put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. In other words, it was like a lock on a gate. 
uh, they would put this stone over the well and it would prevent travelers coming through from stealing their water. It would prevent wild animals come and using the water. It would prevent uh, terrorists from coming and pouring dirt into the well. It would, it would just protect the well. So they lock it up. It's an essential thing. It's an important thing. Uh, and and uh, uh, Jacob is watching all this happen. Verse 4. Then Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Jacob was really saying, where am I? Have I got to my right place? You see, Jacob had never been to Haran, right? He had only heard about it. And so he's traveling. He goes, hey, where are you from? They said Haran. And what must have Jacob said? Praise the Lord. My journey, 500-mile journey, I'm over. I'm here, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, Verse 5. Then he said to them, do you know by any chance, do you know a guy named Laban? The son of Nahor. Uh, Laban is actually the grandson of Nahor. Um, The word son in your Bible is is just means a descendant of. So Jesus was the son of David. Well, obviously he was many, many, many generations away from David, uh, but he was in the lineage of David. So that's how the Bible uses the word son. He's Laban, actually the grandson of Nahor. Do you know him? And they said, we know him. And Jacob must have said what? Oh my goodness, praise the Lord. Not only did I get the right place, but actually my family that I'm supposed to be finding is actually here. I mean, we see just amazing, right? Like crazy. Uh, Verse six. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he's well. And look, his daughter, Rachel, is coming with the sheep. Jacob looked up, he sees her, and everything went into slow motion. Her hair was blowing. And he saw her, and he was like, wow. Rachel was beautiful. Her name, Ulam, is what Rachel means. And here he sees Ulam walking through the meadow, and Jacob uh, just gaga-eyed, right? He's like, wow, right? Verse 7. Um, just enamored with her beauty. Verse 7. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Uh, what is he saying there? He's saying, at the evening time, you would gather the livestock together and you would lead them into a safe place to put them away for the night. He's saying, look, it's high day, it's noon. Uh, it's not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. Uh, uh, what's Jacob doing here? Bossy little guy. Jacob, you just met these guys for crying out loud. And true to Jacob's character, he proceeds arrogantly, I might might add, to question these shepherds, what are you guys doing? Why are you not watering the flocks? Why aren't you just, why is the, the stone still over the well? Why aren't you guys doing your job? Jacob, who do you think you are? Uh, what does this reveal about Jacob? 
Yeah, he likes it, things his, he's arrogant, he's prideful, he's a little high-minded, he's a leader, he's a natural leader, but man, he's got some rough edges, man, uh, difficult to be with, prideful, rough edges, high-minded, uh, bossy, just met these guys for crying out loud. Verse 8, and they said to him, who the heck are you? No, that's what they were thinking. Uh, verse 8, but they said to him, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. He just told them, water the flocks. He said, we can't until all the flocks are gathered together. In other words, they were kind of like Caltrans workers. They were there and they were just like, ah, oh, not yet, not time. Uh, did I mention we're paid hourly and uh, we are in no hurry. Uh, what? Leave us alone, right? No offense to the Caltrans workers here. Uh, Appreciate our nice roads. Did I say that? I really appreciate our nice roads. Um, they said, we can't until all the flocks are gathered together. And look at this. And they have rolled away the stone from the well's mouth. That's not our job. Like, we're just the shepherds. We don't move the stone. We're waiting for they to roll away the stone, right? Uh, they're union workers. Uh, I'm going to offend everybody before the day's over. This is just humor, okay? I'm not serious. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and they, uh, until they have rolled the stone away from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. Um, and so here we see, like, you know, that they don't have the same work ethic Jacob had, right? They're, they're different. They're, they're on cruise control. Verse 9. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Interesting. Here, Jacob, man, he's just like, oh, look at her. And she comes. He's enamored with her beauty. And notice the detail in the sovereignty of God. What is her trade? A shepherdess, which is unusual. Normally, a shepherd was a male, but she's a shepherdess. And here's something so interesting to me. I see the heart of God in this. You say, well, how so? Well, Jacob will become Israel. And he will father the 12 tribes of Israel. He'll have 12 boys who will be the 12 tribes of Israel. And God is bringing him a wife. And God is revealing his heart for the nation. And that his wife is a shepherdess. And Jacob will become a shepherd. And our God is a good shepherd. Uh, interesting. Uh, She's a shepherdess. She's coming in. He's in awe. He's like enamored with her beauty. Uh, can't quit looking. Verse 10. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban or the wealth of Laban, uh, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and he rolled away the stone single-handedly from the well's mouth and he watered the flock of Laban his mother's brother. Uh, what did Jacob do? What did he just do right here? He showed off. He saw her. Oh, look at that. Suddenly I am motivated to serve. What was he doing before? Barking out orders. What are you lazy guys doing? Go to, and now, oh, hang on. Hang, I'll take care of this. Sun's out, guns out. And he brings out the big guns <laughs> and rolls away the stone to impress who? 
Rachel. Oh, shows you what's going on in Jacob's heart. He's enamored with her beauty. He, he's, his heart is beating. He, he's just like, wow. Look at verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Uh, we read that and we go, wow, dude's a player. I mean, gosh, making moves already. No, no, no. Uh, kissed her. Uh, that was custom, right? Uh, and the next verse will help us understand it. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative, that he was Rebecca's son. Uh, he told her all about, uh, you know, uh, you know who that he's that he's who he is and what God has done and all these different things in his family and and tells all about it. So she ran and told her father. So this kiss was not a romantic kiss, but it probably had a little octane booster in it because Jacob was so attracted to her, right? So uh, he had some some desire there. So uh, what a story, what a story. And here I want you to think about this. Jacob had just swindled his dad, goes on this journey, and I want you to see something. God leads him exactly to the right place, exactly to Haran, exactly to the right family, exactly to the beautiful field, exactly to you know, all these things. And here's what I want us to see in this. God sovereignly provides for us all that we need and more. He is so good. Uh, he has given us an abundance and here, God richly blessed Jacob to travel successfully these 500 miles to a place that he had never been and to find just happens the right family. Uh, do you know Laban? Yeah, I know him. Uh, well, look at this. They've got three flocks of sheep. I mean, they're wealthy. Well, they have a daughter. Oh my gosh, here she comes. Oh, I came for a wife. And look at this. God is providing everything. She's beautiful. Jacob is ecstatic. Uh, and Jacob there weeps. Why does he weep? Well, if we think about it, uh, we know uh, Jacob had heard the story all of his life, time and time again, of Isaac and Rebekah. Do you remember the story of Isaac and Rebekah? Isaac was Abraham's son. Isaac is Jacob's dad, right? And Abraham had said to his servant, go and get a wife for my son Isaac from my family of believers and get a wife for her there. Do not let him take a wife from these unbelievers. And so he went. And this servant, his name was Eleazar. We studied this weeks back. And let me just refresh your memory. Eleazar is a godly man, Abraham's servant. And he prays, Lord, please lead, guide, and direct me on this 500-mile journey. How am I going to go to this place and find a wife for my master servant? Lord, unless you lead, guide, and direct, it'll never happen. And he prays. And he loads up 10 camels. And what does he load them up with? For those of you who read the story with us a few weeks back, what's he loaded up, load them up with? Treasure, silver and gold and bracelets and jewelry and all these things. Why? To serve and to bless the family he's going to and to woo this bride, right? And he prays the whole time. And do you remember what happens? He gets to this place and he prays and it was a, 
It was a meadow just like this. And there was a well. And he sees this girl coming. And she's beautiful. Her name? Rebecca. Rebecca. Rachel, excuse me. Rachel. Uh, Isaac. No, Rebecca. Rebecca. Isaac and Rebecca. Her name, Rebecca. And he goes, Lord, if she is the one, he prays again. If she is the one, have her ask me, can I get you some water? And can I water your camels? Camels? Now, camels drink 20 gallons of water each. He's got 10. He's just like, you know, crazy. And she comes up and she goes, hey, can I get you some water? And can I water your camels? And Eliezer prays again, God, you're amazing. You've led me all this way, right? And here, uh, you know, they get married and, and, and uh, he says, uh, you know, gives her all the gifts, gives the families all the gifts and says, now, you have to come. Do you want to come? And she says, I want to go. And she goes and she goes and marries Isaac. Now, Jacob had heard these stories all of his life about how I met your mother, right? I mean, heard these stories all of his life. And now what does he find? Well, under God's sovereign provision, he blesses Jacob with all of these things. And Jacob just goes, wow, unbelievable. And he weeps. How good God is to us. How, how much he wants to bless us. Uh, Jacob sees that God is blessing him the same way. Rachel is beautiful. Uh, the family is wealthy. Jacob didn't deserve any of these things. He had just deceived his dying dad. Uh, he had just tricked his brother. His brother wants to kill him. And yet God richly blesses Jacob. And Jacob weeps. Do you know why God richly blesses Jacob here? Does he deserve it? Not a chance. Why does God richly bless Jacob? Because this is God's grace. If God only blessed us when we deserved it, you know what would happen? We would never be blessed. God blesses us continually. And I tell you, it is so encouraging when we begin to understand the depth of God's grace. It will change your life. Uh, Pastor Chuck Smith in the 70s wrote a book, Grace Changes Everything. Uh, it was a book on uh, uh, study through Romans, and it is true, man. When you understand God's grace, it changes everything. Last night, I was driving on the freeway, and uh, as I'm driving, uh, this bolt comes up from a car in front of me, and I can see it. It's a big bolt, about that big, and it's spinning in the air pretty high, and I watch it, and it comes down, Right on my windshield. Wow. I'm thankful it didn't hit my paint. It hit the windshield, and sure enough, you know, big thing. And like, what the heck? I never had that happen before. I'm like, what the heck? Uh, time goes by. Go a little further, and the cars are starting to stop in front of me. It's like the uh, you know traffic back up on the freeway, and so uh, I had to hit the brakes pretty hard, and I move into the lane to the right because um, the cars are backing up, and. Uh, then I realize I drive a little bit and I realize, oh, that lane is the exit only lane. So I get back over. As soon as I get back over, woo, it's dark out, lights on. I'm like, what do I do? Right? Comes over, unsafe lane change. I'm like, uh, now, <laughs> it, it, it was questionable, you know? I, didn't, I, I don't think I deserve the ticket, but 
I deserved a million other tickets that I've never gotten, you know? And uh, so I was super respectful, told the police officer how much I appreciated him, all those things. And we got to honor those police, man. They do great work for us. But anyway, if, if, if I was, uh, here I just have a broken windshield and I just got an expensive ticket. What am I prone to think? God is mad at me. God is mad at me. Uh, I must not be, God, why didn't you bless me? And can I tell you something? Nothing could be further from the truth. God isn't punishing me. I'm a child of God. And understanding how lavish and rich God's grace is, is essential for us. Because the enemy would love to deceive you, to make you believe that when something bad happens to you, it's because God doesn't love you anymore, or because you're bad and God's punishing you. Hey, God doesn't punish his children, ever. And uh, it is good for us to bathe in God's grace. And here Jacob just is just, you know, experiencing the incredible grace of God. Why is God blessing Jacob so much? Here's why. Because God has big plans for Jacob. They are plans for the future. God is going to make him into a man of God. He's not a man of God now. He's a man of poor character. But he's going to make him into a man of God. God is going to transform Jacob's life. God is going to use him to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. God has big plans. And can I tell you something? God has big plans for you too. And God wants to bless you with things today so that he can set you up and prepare you for what he wants to do in your life in the coming years. God is working so far ahead of your life that you can't even begin to understand. And there are times, sometimes we go, well, God, why aren't you doing this? And God, I want this. And God said, look, I got way better plans for you than you would ever imagine. And sometimes we don't get what we want. We think God doesn't love me. You don't understand God's grace. And sometimes God blesses us. We think, oh, I'm so good. No, you're not so good. That's just God's grace. And I can prove it to you. I had a Yamaha dealership when I was young. And I was not a Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was a total heathen. I was a lot like Jacob. I was, a, you know, doing deals. And the business did really well. God blessed it. And I didn't even know him. I didn't deserve any of God's blessing. I didn't acknowledge God was doing all these things, but I look in hindsight and I know at that age, what God did, it could, I mean, there's no way he set it up. Well, why did he set it up? Well, because he had plans for my life, plans that were way bigger than running a motorcycle dealership, a watercraft dealership. Uh, plans were, that were way bigger than doing a business. Plans of calling me to himself so that I might know his love and that I want, might want to use the things that he's given me to be working with him in his kingdom. Serving other people. Caring about the things he cared about. And God often works in our life way ahead of time. That's what God is doing in Jacob right now. He's not blessing Jacob because he deserves it. He's blessing them because God's good. God is pouring out these rich blessings. Jacob and Rachel, they have this magic moment at the well. His heart is beating. Her heart is beating. She's excited. She runs home. She's going to tell dad all about it. Look at this. Look what happens. Verse 13. Then it came to pass 
when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. He is Jacob. Jacob tells Laban all these things. What things? What does he tell, what does he tell Laban? Jacob says, Laban, my grandfather was a man by the name of Abraham. God called him. You know the story of him. You've probably heard the story of him. And uh, he called him and, and brought him to him, so made a covenant with him. And that covenant went to my father, Isaac. And my father, Isaac, is a good man. God's hand has been upon his life all of his days. And now that blessing has come upon me. I'm part of that covenant. And I've come here to get a wife. And, and, and he tells him all of the good things that God has done, right? Tells him all about God. Uh, tells him how Isaac met Rebekah and how God worked and all of those things. And Laban, uh, verse 14, and Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. Surely we are family. And he stayed with him for a month. And here Jacob stays with Laban and he's working there for Laban, right? Jacob's a hard worker. Uh, verse 15, then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Should you work for me for free? Uh, tell me, what should your wages be? Uh, now again, Laban is a wheeler dealer also, right? He's, he realizes, Jacob, man, you're a really good worker. I don't want you to leave, man. What should I, you know, how, let's, let's work out a deal. Uh, verse 16, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Rachel means what? You lamb, you lamb. Do you know what Leah means? Wild cow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Tough contrast there, right? Uh, Laban has two daughters. The name of the elder was Wild Cow, and the name of the younger was Ulam. And Wild Cow's eyes were delicate. Uh, uh, that's another way of saying, uh, not so good. Uh, Leah's eyes were weak, it says. Uh, but Rachel was beautiful, of form and of appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter, and he specifies, right? I'll serve you seven years for you, lamb, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. Well, that's, they made up a deal, seven years, you got a deal. So Jacob served seven years, and look at this, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. Everybody say, aww, aww, how awesome. Uh, they seemed like a few days to her because he just loved her. Uh, he would go out and he would be tending the sheep, and he would look over, and there she was, and he'd go, oh, just, and the time passed like that, because he was smitten with her love. Uh, it is so fascinating how this works. Uh, hopefully, you've experienced it. 
Love is a powerful motivator, is it not? It is the most powerful motivator. Seven years just seemed like a few days to him because he was smitten with her love. When love is the motive, serving others is a joy. And Jacob was in love. So serving was nothing but joy. I want you to know it is so much fun to watch a young man fall in love. Uh, I, I love seeing it happen even here at the church. We have several young, you know, in our young adults who have fallen in love, gotten married, and now had babies. And I, I love watching it. But you know what's really funny is you see this guy who, uh, you know, I mean, he, he comes in with dirty clothes and stains on his shirt. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, he sees, a, he sees a, a, a Rachel. And suddenly you see him, you go, oh, he actually brushed his hair when he came to church today. He's wearing nice clothes. He's got aftershave on. <laughs> He's stepping up his game. And this guy who has never spent a dollar on anybody but himself suddenly starts spending all kinds of money mm -hmm. on her. Hey, you want to go to dinner? Hey, want to go to the movies? Hey, want to go skiing, snowboarding? Uh, he's just dropping all kinds of money on her. Why? Why? Because... When the motive is love, serving others is a joy. I remember I have three boys and a, and a girl. Girl is my youngest. Uh, the three boys uh, on Saturday mornings we would do yard work together, one or two hours of yard work every Saturday morning. It was just standard, right? When they were in high school, and they would watch that clock like like a timekeeper, man, like uh, you know, pulling weeds, trimming, edging, that kind of stuff. And uh, they're like, Dad, it's been an hour, it's been an hour and a half. Dad, it's been two hours. You said two hours. Dad, it's been two hours. And yet then they would meet a girl. And it would be like hours at a time, right? Like, big, hey, why aren't you complaining? Hey, it's been an hour, right? No, 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 big difference. Why? Because when love is the motive, serving others is just a joy. And why am I bringing up all this? Uh, Here's why. What is God doing in Jacob's life? Jacob is serving God out of duty. And God has no interest in that. Well, God, if you do this, and if you do this, well, I'll be a good boy. No, thank you. What is God looking for? Love. And when we understand God's love, and it moves our heart with the beauty of God's love, our service becomes entirely different. And that is what God is looking for in Jacob's life. Uh, uh, gals, I want you to know something. Let a man, if you're, if you're courting, if you're in the dating age of life, uh, let the man pay for your dates. Let the man Pay for your meals. Let the man pay for everything. Let him open your door. Let him treat you special. Why? Because he needs to learn how to love someone other than himself. And this is God's design. Jacob gladly agrees to work for Rachel for seven years. Why? Because it was a dowry. 
a dowry was alimony in advance. It was a big chunk of money that you had to pay to say, listen, I am capable of taking care of your daughter. I am capable of providing for her. I am capable of, of supporting her. And, you know, and, and Jacob says, I will work seven years for Rachel. Uh, and uh, uh, fascinating to consider. Because <clears throat> Jacob had never served anyone <clears throat> for seven minutes in his life, much less seven years. And what is the difference? What is the difference? He gladly does it now. What is the difference? Love. Love. And the same is true in your walk with God. When you understand God's love for you, uh, it transforms you. And this is the very thing that God is trying to do in Jacob's life and in what? And in your life. Are you here today because of duty? Are you here today because you had a pretty wild Friday night and you're paying penance? Can I tell you something? God is not interested. Now, if you made a mess of your life on Friday night and you're here today because you say, Lord, I don't ever want to do that again. I know what it's going to take. I want to walk in your ways. Lord, help me, help me. Well, that's entirely different. But if you're doing it out of duty, just skip it. God's not interested. God wants your love. Uh, the, the religious leaders came to Jesus. They, their job was to study God's laws. They knew all of them. And they came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And without hesitation, Jesus uttered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. As a matter of fact, you do that and everything else is set. All the other commandments will take care of themselves. You see, there's a law. I know that law. It's do not commit adultery. But that law is not strong enough to keep me from committing adultery. What keeps me from committing adultery? My love for my wife. My love for God. That is the only, there's not a law that can govern a man. But love will, 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 will guide us. And it'll be a joy to the heart. And this is what Jesus is looking for. Look what Jesus says in John 15, uh, verse 9 on your screens. <clears throat> Read with me. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Now abide in my love. What does that mean, abide? Abide. What does that mean? To dwell. To dwell. We get the word abode or home from that word. Live in my love. Make your house in my love. Uh, make your entire life all about my love for you. And then you'll keep my commandments if you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh, no, Jesus wasn't doing any of this out of duty. Jesus was doing the, all that became a man and went to a cross out of love, right? Love motivated him. The Apostle Paul would say, the love of God constrains us. It leads my steps. It walks me, right? Uh, uh, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. When love is the motive, serving God is just your joy. I want you to know something. I am not up here for a paycheck. I am not up here because I have to. Uh, you could not pay me. And guess what I would still be doing? Telling people about how great Jesus is. Because love is the motive. Love is the desire. And when that happens, oh, your joy is full. Life is full. And this is what God is trying to bring Jacob into. And he's trying to do it through 
help him see it through the means of, of falling in love with, with Rachel. Uh, let's go on. Next verse. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's what love does. Who is Jesus referring to there? What did Jesus do? He laid his life down for us. As a matter of fact, the very next verse, Jesus would say these words, you are my friends. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends and you are my friends, Jesus would say. And I'm laying my life down for you. Um, so glad, Jacob gladly serves for these seven years. And it seems like a day to him. Uh, uh, and, and God is trying to teach him about Jacob. This is what I want for you and me as well. And uh, now the time has come. Jacob served seven years. And it's time now to get married. Uh, look at verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled. I, I've given you my seven years that I might go into her. Uh, go into her is a way of saying that I might have relations with her. And what does that reveal to us? Think about it. What does that reveal to us? He hadn't. He hadn't. And uh, here we see God's ways. Here we see uh, the way it is meant to be. Uh, and, and gals, if you are dating, let him pay. Let him buy dinner. Let him take you on nice dates. Let him open your door. And if he wants to have physical relations with you, he is putting his will above your well-being. He is putting his desires above your spiritual well-being. And you know what that means? He doesn't love you. He loves who? Himself. Be wise. Rachel didn't sleep with this man, even though she loved him and found him attractive and wanted to be with him because uh, love must be revealed, right? Um, uh, where are we? I lost my spot. What verse are we on? Thank you. Uh, verse 22. So Laban gathered together all the men of the place, gathered the whole town together, and he made a feast. What kind of feast are we talking about? A wedding feast. Yeah, a wedding feast was seven days long in those days. A big party. Verse 23. And, and Laban's wealthy, so this is a big event. Verse 23. Now it came to pass in the evening that he, that's Laban, took Leah, his daughter, uh, wild cow, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. What the heck? What just happened? It was the wedding day, and there is Jacob and Rachel looking at each other all day long. She's got the wedding gown on. He's got the wedding clothing on. They're looking at each other, and they're waiting for tonight, man. Oh, tonight. Can't wait. And all day long, they're looking at her. Nighttime comes, and guess what happens? Laban dresses up the firstborn in Rachel's clothes. And he sneaks her into Jacob's tent. And there's no electricity. There's no lights. And Jacob comes in. And she pretends to be the other sibling. Sound familiar? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And he goes into her. 
And in, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> Verse 24. And Laban gave his maid, Zipla to his daughter Leah as a maid. That would be a very wealthy wedding gift, by the way, uh, giving servants and furniture and all that stuff. Verse 25. So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was wild cow. <laughs> and he said to Laban, I can, I already hear some emails being typed. I can hear it. <laughs> and he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel, you lamb? Wasn't it for you, lamb, that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Jacob just got Jacobed. Wow. And notice Laban's response. And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Oh, my goodness. Let me unpack that for you. Loose paraphrase. Jacob, in our country, we honor and respect the firstborn. We don't betray the firstborn. We don't put the firstborn above the secondborn. We have honor in our country. Oh, my goodness. Laban says, verse 27, fulfill her week. Uh, that's this wedding week, right? The seven-day feast of the wedding. Fulfill her week. That's Leah's wedding week now. Uh, and we will give you this one. We'll give you Rachel also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so. <laughs> Spoken by a young virgin. Yes. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, the seven days of the wedding feast. So he, that's Laban, gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Uh, Jacob didn't have to wait another seven years to get Rachel, but he just had to wait until the seven-day wedding feast was over. And then Laban gave Rachel to him, and he had her, uh, but he had to work seven more years for her. Uh, verse 29, and Laban gave his maid Bela to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Again, this was a very expensive wedding gift. It would show that he had a lot of wealth. Uh, verse 30, then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. Uh, we're going to stop here on our text, but let me unpack some of this with you. Jacob just got worked by Uncle Laban, and this was incredibly cruel. It was cruel to Jacob. It was cruel to who? Rachel. To Rachel. Can you imagine Rachel on her wedding day and her dad does this? And it was cruel to who? Yeah. To Leah. To Leah. Next week, when we move forward, we're going to see some of late Leah's intense pain at what has been done to her. This is incredibly cruel. But you know what we see? Laban and Jacob are cut out of the same cloth. And here, it's a tragic story. But here Jacob learns how it feels to be treated as he has been treating others. Again, I titled the message, Jacob in the Mirror. 
And here he sees, uh, here God will, uh, will reveal to him, Jacob, look how you've been treating others. And Jacob thinks about it firsthand. I want you to know something about God. God is very patient. The word he uses is long-suffering. He, he suffers with us long. He puts up with us. Uh, God will gently try to convict us of our pride and of our sin. And he will wait and he will wait. But if we refuse to listen, God will speak louder. Jacob has resisted God's small, still voice. Year after year after year. And God just spoke a little louder today, didn't he? And here Jacob sees what it's like to be Jacob. And God in his sovereignty, all the pieces. You don't have to be a scientist to put this together. It's not hard to see. Dressing up as the firstborn when you're not the firstborn. Tricking and deceiving uh, oh man, we can just see the parallels, right? And uh, Jacob has been Jacobed. Um, Jacob saw Laban's dirty, slimy scam, and then he saw himself in the mirror. And no doubt Jacob recalled his deceptive scam against his own father on his deathbed, dressing up as his sibling to deceive his dad without even thinking of the pain that he was invoking on his father, on Esau. And now the same thing happens to him. The world calls this karma. I want you to know something. Even though the whole world believes in karma, karma is not real. Nature has no knowledge. Nature has no will. Nature has no ability to remember what each and every person did and somehow pay them back. That is just not true. God, however, has a mind, has a will, has the ability to see all things, know all things, and he will, if we will not listen to his small, still voice, he will allow us to experience what we have done. The Bible calls it not karma. The Bible calls it sowing and reaping. And that is one of God's ways. Now, God would rather bless us, but if we refuse to listen, he will take measure to speak louder. So may we what? May we be wise. May we listen. Uh, look at this verse in Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 18, 25. Let me hear you read this. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With a blameless man... You show yourself blameless. Let's pause there. Merciful, we understand. With the merciful, God shows himself merciful. What does blameless mean? Blameless means you're trying. You're trying to do the right thing, right? You're trying. Here's what God says. With the merciful, I'll be incredibly merciful. And if you're trying, I'll reveal to you how much I'm trying. I'll reveal to you how much I'm pursuing you. Uh, with the pure, God will show himself pure. And with the devious, God will show himself shrewd. Uh, for you will save the humble people, but you will bring down haughty looks. Now, God is extremely patient. It doesn't happen like if you, if you are devious, God's not going to be devious to you tomorrow. But if you continue living that way for a long period of time, you're going to reap what you sow. I can, be, I can assure you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Uh, 
Poor Jacob. What a bad deal, man. What a bad deal. How messy is his life now? He was in love with this girl. She's beautiful. He wanted to have a wife with her, wanted to have kids with her. And now what does he have? Two wives. How many of you know that's incredibly problematic? <laughs> All through the Bible, there are two common traits, adultery and polygamy. All through the Bible, that doesn't mean God approves. God clearly has given laws against these things. God hates adultery. And God hates polygamy. But it's common in humanity. And every time in the Bible, when you see it, it brings tremendous pain and tremendous anguish. Jacob's life will be no exception. God's will from the beginning, one man, one woman, joined together as what? One flesh. And this was God's will from the beginning. And Jesus repeated, it was still God's will when Jesus walked on the earth. And it's still God's will today. So may we be wise. Poor Jacob, man, what a bad deal. Look how messy his life is now. And I want to leave you, I want to give you uh, uh, this, this point. Uh, think on this. Without godly character, we turn God's blessings into a total mess. Think about it. Who gave Rachel to Jacob? God did. God led him here. God did all these things. What was the problem? The problem is not Laban. We are not victims. And in the United States, we are getting this exponentially growing victim mentality. And if you are adopting it, let me just tell you, repent of that sin right now. Jacob is not a victim. It is Jacob's character who has got him into this mess. How so? It looks like it was Laban's. Well, let me walk you through some things. Without godly character, we will turn God's blessings into a giant mess. Let me illustrate for you. Let's compare two people, can we? Let's compare Eleazar and Jacob. Did God lead both of them? Yes. Did God bless both of them with a beautiful bride at the well? Yes. But let's look at some character issues of these two men. What do we notice about Eliezer on his journey? The entire time he started the trip in what? In prayer. And all through the trip, what was he doing? Lord, bless me. Guide my steps. Show me how to act. Show me how to be. Show me how to walk. Lead me in the path. Show me, Lord, your ways. And so what does he do? Well, he prays. And as he prays, he thinks about God's ways. As he thinks about God's ways, what does he load up before he leaves? Before he leaves? Ten camels, ten U-Hauls loaded with gold and silver. Gifts and precious things. Why? Because he's thought about God's ways. And God's ways are to serve who? Others. Serve others. Serve others. And so he gets there. And sure enough, just like Jacob, God leads him. Just like Jacob, God provides the woman. God provides everything. And Eleazar has the character to bring it to a beautiful fruition. 
to a healthy place. What happens? He presents these gifts to the girl. He presents these gifts to the dad. He presents these gifts to the mom, to the family, to the siblings. And then he comes time and he says, hey, it's time to go. She has a choice. Do you want to come? And he wooed her with all of his generosity and kindness and said, this is a reflection of the master who's waiting for you. And she gladly said, I will go. And his character allowed him to take all of God's blessings and lead him into an abundant life. Now let's look at Jacob. Jacob takes the journey. Does God bless him? Yes. Jacob gets to the place. Does God guide him to the right family? Yes. Is the family wealthy? Yes. Is there a beautiful girl? Is she for him? Does she have all the character to build a beautiful life with? Yes. Yes. And Jacob, what does he have to give? Nothing. Nothing. Why doesn't Jacob have anything to give? May I present to you? He never prayed. You see, praying isn't telling God what to do. Praying is saying, God, what do you want me to do? And God instructed Eliezer, I want you to be selfless. I want you to come to bless others, not to take from others. I want you to give more than you take. And Jacob, excuse me, Eliezer walked in that. Jacob never prayed, and Jacob only served himself. You know why Jacob didn't bring any gifts? The answer might surprise you. Pride. Subconsciously. You know what Jacob thought? Subconsciously. He never thought this consciously. Subconsciously, this is what Jacob thought. I'm the prize. They're lucky to have me. I'm not thinking about what they want. I'm thinking about what I want. And that's how most of us think. And I want you to know, God wants you to be selfless. And if you are selfless, your life will be blessed. This is how God works. Uh, I want you to know that when you are selfless, God can pour his blessings out on you. Godly character enables us to use all of God's gifts unto an abundant life. But bad character, well, it will will damage your life. Without godly character, we will even take God's blessings and turn them into a giant mess. Subconsciously, Jacob thought, I am such a deal that he never thought about serving others. And now look at the horrible mess is in you know what I know even now with me explaining these things we are so selfish that even now most of us are not very concerned about serving others we think yeah I know I probably should but not gonna because we just like serving ourselves. we want we don't think it benefits us much I want you to know serving others really benefits us and not serving others really hurts us in fact Not serving others radically hinders the good plans that God wants to give us. Look at how hindered and how messed up Jacob's plans are. Jacob's life is, excuse me, because he, what? Was selfish, not walking in God's ways. Didn't have the character that God was trying to build in him. Uh, There's a price. There's a price. Um, I have one more verse that I want to give you. And then we will uh, have communion. Uh, This verse is in Proverbs 24. Great verse. Uh, Let me hear you read this, church. 
through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, this is worthy of great meditation. You might want to jot down the reference and meditate on this verse later. It's not talking about a, a house. It's not talking about a building. What is it talking about? What is the house representative of? Your life. Your life. And by wisdom, or in other words, by godly character, your life is built on an incredible foundation that will bring you a rich abundance. And all of your rooms will be filled with precious and pleasant things. I'm watching one of my sons right now as a young father. Two of my sons right now as young fathers. And I'm sending me these pictures of them, you know, just playing and the eyes that the child looks at the father with and this family that they're building and I'm watching the house being filled with many precious and rich, wonderful things. I look at my own life and I look at this, what God has given to me and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm the richest man in the world. And I'm not financially, but oh, there's times I just put my head on my pillow and I go, God, I can't believe how you have filled my house with so many rich and wonderful things. The relationships, the friends, the, the family, the, the uh, men that I have that could speak wisdom into my life, the people that love me and care for me, and the people that I love and care for, and you, this congregation that I love, and just, oh my gosh. By wisdom, a house is built. By character. By wisdom, it's established. God wants to fill all of your rooms with many pleasant things. Think about what Jacob and Rachel could have been had he had the character. And now what they will never fully experience, the ultimate of all that God intended for them because his character couldn't hold it. Oh, walking in God's ways matter. And it all begins with the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jacob believed in God, but he didn't make him the Lord of his life. And today we come to the communion table where we start with this lordship of Jesus Christ. It is all God's pursuing love for us. It is all God dating his bride and paying for the entire date. Going to the cross on our behalf, paying for everything so that we could understand his great love for us and we can merely respond and say, I do. I do. I'm yours. Show me your ways. Teach me your path. I've never been loved like this. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.